0: would you join me in prayer? Lord, we pray for the passage this morning. Uh, Would you uh, convict us? Uh, Would you um, help us to focus now onto you? And may you move through the Spirit so that uh, we will be looking at Jesus and how um, good he is to us. So we cast all our worries to you. Uh, May you speak and not me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, About a year ago, I started my first week at HTC. And I was very hopeful for my time here. Um, until that evening of my first day, I joined the gym, and I assumed, maybe rather naively, that this gym would be friendly since the, word, since the world is a very happy and friendly place. So after I finished my workout and returned to my locker room, I opened up my locker, and I noticed, hey, where... Where is my bag, the, my backpack? You might see me carrying it around with my cell phone, my car keys, apartment keys, church keys, credit card, license, everything. I can't seem to find it. I check every locker there is in the gym, nothing. And I'm freaking out, mad at the same time. I only left my backpack with all my worldly possessions in the locker, unsupervised, without a lock for maybe about 50 minutes or so. So where could it go? People couldn't possibly reach in and take somebody else's bag out. I think that's called theft. That's bad. (laughs) So I freak out, and gym managers aren't very helpful. I don't know whether to cry or go insane, and reality sinks in. I am, for the time being, homeless. I don't have a car. My keys are gone. I don't have a home, as my other keys are gone. I don't have communication. No Facebook. My cell phone's gone. I don't have money. My wallet's gone. I don't have identity. I have nothing. So I play worst-case scenarios. Hey, what if the church finds out I'm homeless? Are they going to fire me? What? On my first day, right? What if I never see Grasha again and I die? Who's she going to marry? What if I get on the local news, local youth minister gets robbed at gym, because of stupidity, story to follow. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get my life back. I don't know how to pray. I go, God, it's ensue. You sent me to Houston and you want me to live at the gym and you want me to beg for money? How will I survive? So I worried and kept, kept thinking, am I gonna be okay? All these what if scenarios, it was not a happy time and I joke about it now, but at the time I was scared. So welcome to Houston, right? So that's not everybody's story of worry. Um, maybe um, looking back on it is kind of funny, but at the time I was super worried. And perhaps yours wasn't caused by naivety, but you still see in worry. Maybe you're facing with worry today. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You've lost control, and you can't help but be anxious. Expect the worst, and instead of praying, you worry and you start freaking out. I hope that I'm not the only one in here like that. All of us face different trials attempt us to worry. We've been walking through the King's Sermon over the last few months, and we've been looking at what a kingdom citizen looks like as a child of the King and the character that they should exhibit. Not that they earn this merit on their own, but by the righteousness already given by the King. We obey the word. Today we'll be addressing this topic of worry. But before we do, think about why we worry. What is our motivation behind worry? A big question for you I have today is this Do I trust God more than I trust myself and my circumstances? Do I trust God more than I trust myself and my circumstances? Because worry is not just a psychological or emotional or situational response. It's actually a deep theological problem. What we believe about worry reflects what we believe about our Heavenly Father. So there's three points, briefly, that we'll be visiting today. We're going to be talking about the reality of worry, and the reason for worry, and finally the response to worry. And in all of that, I hope that we remember that worry is forgetting that our Heavenly Father cares for us. Worries, forgetting that our Heavenly Father cares for us. But before we get there, um, I do want to make a distinction between perhaps a medically diagnosed member that suffers from anxiety or disorder uh, with the rest of us that are just worrying about the troubles of daily life. Um, we definitely want to be sensitive, if there are th- those of you. And please know that we're not here to belittle your problems because we live in a broken world. And God is restoring us to be new again. But as we live in the in-between, there are certain realities, ugly realities, like severe anxieties. So if that's you, uh, please apply the truths that are found in this text today, but know that we're still supportive of you, and know that perhaps it'll require some uh, medicine, uh, some professional help. But the motivations behind worry and anxiety are still stemming from our own brokenness. So please listen with an open mind, but we'll be asking God, hey, heal us, Lord, and free us from all these fears, whether um, you are professionally diagnosed or you are just one of us worrying about day to so, day. So with that said, let's start. Let's start with the reality of worry, reality of worry. Last week, we heard a sermon about how the treasures on earth, are th- they're going to rust, but the eternal gift is found in God alone. Jesus' audience is already aware that there's to serve one master. Either you serve money and the world or God. You can't do both. It's natural that with serving Jesus, that you would need to put total trust in him. Jesus says, don't be anxious. Can you trust God more than your wallet, your possessions, your circumstances? So with that in mind from last week, let's read in context. Uh, Starting from verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? So Jesus mentions three things we tend to worry about. Food, drink, and clothes. We need all of these to survive. But it becomes a problem when we become worrisome about certain details. Are There two people that this text could apply to. Uh, One is the people that are actually living in need of all these things. Uh, Back in Jesus' day, many didn't live with such luxuries that we do today. So uh, some might have been anxious, waiting day to day, surviving on just barely enough, barely enough clothing, barely enough food, finding barely enough water in the desert to survive. Uh, But the other group Jesus addresses are people like us, people who live comfortably, if not abundantly. And the worry comes from preoccupation with our desires or perhaps having too much, worrying about what to wear to a social gathering, or other trivial worries about where to eat, uh, what to decide, little things. So, whether it's an issue of you have and you lack, or you have too much to choose from and you worry, Jesus says it is not worth it. That life is more than food, and that body more than clothing. For God provided us life as well as food. So Jesus knows our tendencies, prone towards worry, expecting the worst, or living in fear of what might happen. So the question, once again, faced with worry, is this. Do I trust myself or my circumstance over God in that moment? Do I believe that God has what is in my best interest Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So Jesus gives clear illustrations of reasons not to worry. Jesus, who made both man and animal, points out that even the birds of the air, God cares for. Unlike us, who might save up for college or retirement, work endless amount of hours, and still worry if we have enough, these birds, they do not worry. They fly, they survive, and as insignificant and as simple-minded that they seem, it says God feeds them. I wonder if we shouldn't let what Jesus says sink in. Are you not of more value than they? When put into application, how do we deal with worry? Uh, Maybe you might be saying, It's so much easier staying up here to follow this book and not worry. You might say, easy for you to say. And Sue, you don't know what I'm going through. Or others of you might say, Jesus talked about food and clothing. But what about my issue? It goes so much deeper than that. Some of you might be thinking right now. Perhaps you're worried because you're faithfully serving God day in and day out. Praying to the God who listens. And you seek for a companion perhaps. Perhaps. You long for marriage, worried if Mr. or Mrs. Wright will ever come along. Maybe you're a father who cares for his family daily, being responsible, and you providing for them, but the lack of stability and long hours make you anxious whether you need to look for, new op- to look for a new opportunity as money is tight. Perhaps you're worried because you don't have a job in the first place, and you've tried so hard to look for one, you've prayed so long, you wonder if anything will change. Another of you, you're going to college, leaving home for the first time. And you're worried about adjustments, worried if you'll fail, if you'll make friends, find the community, as well as the future. Some of you might be mothers who worry about your kids. You want the best for them, and you pray for them, and you want them to walk in godliness, and you don't see it. You pray, but at the same time you worry, because you want what's best for them. Perhaps you have parents who are aging, perhaps family members who have been so good to you, And you love them so deeply, and you know that they haven't been doing too well. You worry, wondering where their last days will be, worrying if they will make it another week. And you just want them to be at peace. But in the meantime, you're not at peace. You're anxious. Others of you, you might be worried about finances, perhaps health, relationships, and all the unpredictable things that life seems to throw at us. And for you, in the meantime, it's not a cliché. It's a reality that you hope you can get out of, but in the meantime, what can I do? I don't have a lot of options besides worrying. And it's interesting that Jesus mentions that our lives are more than just food or clothing. Our bodies and lives are about so much more than that. And I'm sure it's hard for you, as it is for me, not to worry when a crisis comes when we don't know the outcome. Don't you hate that? I love knowing what's coming up next because I hate waiting. I hate not being able to do anything about it. I feel powerless while I worry. Have any of you met a constant worrier? This is how we tend to think. In the morning, what do we do? We pull out our phones, and we check our emails, or news feed, or bank accounts, and we see something we don't like. We'll be like, oh, man, my funds are running low. Or shoot, oh, my boss didn't respond to a request for me to get vacation. Or, oh, man, somebody commented negatively on my Facebook post. What if they hate me? And as you go through the day, there are countless number of little things to worry about. You know, oh, my package didn't arrive this week. What if I never comes and I never get my new set of sunglasses? Or, oh, man, you know, the Astros lost again. What if my favorite team gets out of the pennant race? Man, my parents are coming this week. You know, I didn't vacuum the house. What if they get mad at me and stop giving me allowance? Just little things. But even in... Big things, sometimes the what-ifs of life, tend to speak louder to us rather than Jesus' simple command for us not to worry. Perhaps are you not of more value than they doesn't resonate with you as much as it should because we don't see the full impact. We realize that the God of all we see values us despite our continual disobedience. Uh, Most days we trust ourselves and our situations over God. Despite all of that, he says, you're my child. And he calls you into this intimate relationship, a father to a son, a father to a daughter. I would hope that would comfort you and me. And perhaps that is comforting for most of you, but for others, you go, that doesn't change anything. I'm still worried about my future, my education, my family, my relationships. The fact that God loves me or cares for me, what does that do for me? So, to address some of that, let's transition as we go through what Jesus points out are some of the reasons for worry. We'll be looking at the next few verses. And often our worry comes from some mixed motivations. We like having control over situations, so we worry. Others of us, we're preoccupied with ourselves, we're very self centered. We worry because we're too busy thinking about what about my money? What about my future? What about my circumstances you could possibly not know about? Well, in the end, we often do make it all about my stuff, ourselves. Look at verse 27 through 29. Which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What do we gain by worrying? Jesus asked rhetorically to all of us. And a very qu- good question is that do we gain anything by worrying? These, these lilies, they neither toil nor spin, meaning they don't go hour to hour worrying, being anxious, hoping, and expecting the worst. They don't even work. Their whole environment dictates their lives. And yet, they're beautiful and taken care of. They grow, they blossom. And here we are, worrying over every little detail of our lives. Are we achieving anything, adding any precious seconds to our already valuable but short lives by worrying about situations? There are much more important things to be doing rather than worrying. There's God's mission to be completed. There are souls to be saved. There's work to be done. And not as if by worrying we can do anything to our health or mental state. That's actually helpful. Because... It harms us. Worrying just destroys us from the inside out. Am I not more valued than that bird or the flowers that the Father takes care of? Are you not more valuable than an animal or plant God feeds? The reason why we worry is because we either forget or maybe we don't believe in this truth. We believe that God has forgotten about me or think that we need to be in control over our lives. And somehow by us worrying about a circumstance or person, we think somehow we can change that. Every time we're faced with a temptation to worry, we face that question, does my heavenly father really care for me? Do you believe that? In a time where you might be questioning or waiting, do you trust that God values you? Do you trust that he deeply loves you more than you can know? He doesn't want your faith being choked up by all these worries of the world. And sometimes the worries choke us out more than the great assurance and promise that Jesus gives, that this Heavenly Father is going to take care of us. We expect the worst, we worryers. instead of praying, praying about it or doing something about it. We get anxious. And if it's out of our control, why do I worry in the first place? Do I not trust that God indeed is sovereign and has the situation in his hands? The examples of the lilies and the grass, that would have been common to the audience. Jesus compares the flowers that God has made to King Solomon's wealth and splendor. Actually, you can even take these flowers up on the stage. It's quite beautiful, just as a visual reference. And clearly, if you look at these flowers, there's no contest what is more beautiful. King Solomon, even with all his wealth and power, could not outmatch God's beauty displayed in the simple lilies that they found in the majesty of God's outdoors. So it's a simple point demonstrated powerfully in our lives. If we know that God, who made the oceans and the mountains, Sustains all of nature, sustains you and me right now. Certainly he has the power to keep and care for us, weak and broken people. Is it because we doubt God's strength? Do we doubt God who could do with us anything he chose? By showing the lilies and the sparrows of the air, Jesus is showing that God the Father, he made it all and he owns it all. So why do I worry? Why do I freak out when I know who the owner of it all is? Unlike the Gentiles, the non-believers, we know who owns it all and who made it all. And not just lilies or the birds, but everything that you see. This church, this body, this ca- all these cars that we have parked around here, all this land, it all belongs to him. And at any time, he could take it all away because it all belongs to him. So if that's the case, why do we worry like we do not believe, like we don't know who the creator and the sustainer of everything is? Maybe part of it is because we have so much today to worry about in our materialistic and very complicated lives. I don't think in, ever in history we have so much to worry about, from our bodies to the type of coffee we drink in the morning, to the school our children will go to, to in the evening what type of show we'll binge watch on Netflix, to the medications we need to relieve our anxieties, to the socks we put on, so many little things to worry about. And Jesus, when he was saying not to worry about food or drink or clothing, I think he knew that our hearts would make idols of such simple things, idols of created things, instead of worshiping the creator. Imagine this. A high school senior, she wants to desperately get into a college of her dreams. But she's worrying. She's worrying because she's not sure if she's good enough. She's worrying if her essay, letter of recommendation, GPA, all that good stuff... She doesn't know if that's good enough to get into the college, so she worries day in and day out. Now, do you think she'll still be worrying if she knew that the college that she was applying to, that the president of that college was none other than her own dad? No, she would say, my dad, he's got this. I don't need to waste time worrying at all. With our Heavenly Father, that's kind of a similar situation. He owns it. Why are we worrying? And although, even though he rules over all, it doesn't mean we'll get anything we want if we stop worrying about it, but he does have the power to do as he wills, and whether he delivers us out of that circumstance or not, that's out of our control. That's not for you and me to decide. We pray for rescue, but also say, your will be done, Lord. I trust in your heavenly care. And as you pray and wait, remember that the Father who made you, gave you personality and unique gifting, the Father who gave you his own son so that you might be freed from your shame and sin, so that you might cry to him in time of temptation or trial, whenever you're tempted to worry, this Father who cares for you more than any other creature, he will take care of you. So that should ease our burden. And I hope that this week as you wrestle with this different topics of worry over the relational conflicts you might have, over the financial situation that you might be in, over all the little future uh, details that you might be so preoccupied with and so uncertain, let's put it in perspective that the God who made all of these things that we enjoy and stress about, that he cares about us deeply. And indeed, we rest in his care and that we should put Our trust in Him. So, now that we've covered the reality that we worry, and we covered some of the theological reasons for our worries, due to a lack of our trust in our Father, let's go to, so what? Response to worry. What is our response to worry? It says in verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying... What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. We're forgetting that our heavenly Father cares for us. Do we trust him, that he's enough, even if it doesn't make sense? If God clothes the grass despite its frailty of here today and gone tomorrow, should we not trust him to take care of us even more? Grass was expendable in those days. And it still is today compared to human life. Uh, Grass, which was here and alive, could be mowed over or used to uh, make fire, thrown into the oven, for whatever purpose. But God clothes us and cares for us way more than an impersonal grass. It can't have a relationship with God, but we do. So he cares for us way more than any of those things that he's created. Commanded again for us is not to be anxious, for even the Gentiles or the rest of the world, the non-believing world, they do so often, they worry. Should not a Christian act differently? Should not a family of believers who proclaim Christ, who trust deeply in the God that cares, so the world can fret, they can go about being anxious daily, but that's because they trust in their own might, they trust in their own gifting and own skills over a Father who cares for them, Our God knows our immediate needs as well as our desires, pure and impure desires. He knows our worries, our concerns, our prayers. As the old hymn says, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So we trust in this God who provides for all our needs. And now, what we should do instead as our response. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Instead of worrying, we're called to seek God's kingdom. Culture's response is this. Culture's response to worry says, take pills, seek some counseling, just leave it at that. Or culture says, hey, go take a vacation. Think happy thoughts. Don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be all right, that theologian Bob Marley said one time ago. Seek hobbies to distract you. Go do something nice. Go work out. Buy something nice for yourself. Treat yourself. But you know what? All these cultural solutions have one thing in common. It's all about me. My comforts. But the gospel solution, it's much different. The focus isn't on me. With the time you're wasting worrying about your worries and the details of your life, Jesus says proactively go out and seek his kingdom. You're made with a purpose, a mission. Your father put you on the earth to make disciples for Christ. You're put in your job, your school to glorify God, to show others what a kingdom citizen looks like. You're given gifts, talents, skills, not to worry about it or hoard them, but to use it to advance God's kingdom here on earth. Seeking his kingdom daily by living for one purpose, not for yourself but living to glorify Jesus in all that you do. And it doesn't mean you have to be a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist. You don't have to go to the ends of the earth, to Iraq or Africa, to seek his kingdom. Seeking his kingdom means that as a citizen of earth, you also live out your dual citizenship as a citizen of heaven. Seeking the beauty of your family as they know and proclaim Christ. Seeking the beauty of your workplace as you work with integrity and passion Seeking the beauty of your city by building relationships and loving on your coworkers, And you help it thrive for God's sake, not just for our sake. And I can't tell you exactly how you can go out and build God's kingdom. Because you know your schedule, you know your talents way better than we do. But, in reality, as you seek His kingdom, what happens is that we run out of time to worry. We don't have time to worry. Our priorities change. Instead of worrying and living in fear of what might happen, all the what-ifs of life... You live for God, his kingdom, his will first. Our mission changes from self-preservation to God's glorification and my own sanctification. Our priority is God's kingdom over our little idols and comforts. And yes, that doesn't diminish our problems. They're probably still there. And it's quite possible that you might still live in fear or anxiety, little things to worry about. But God doesn't minimize that either. Even amidst all of those problems, he says, there is a number one priority. And you need to know what comes first, even amidst all our problems, as big or as small as they might be. But it says, God will supply all that you need. And some have misinterpreted this passage as, seek God's kingdom, then everything will be given to me. Some have misinterpreted the passage as, oh, if I seek God, then I'm going to get a job. If I see God's kingdom, then maybe I'll get a girlfriend. If I see God's kingdom, my health is going to return. And some prosperity teachers have used it to trick us into thinking we can get an abundance of things or finances or wealth and health that we desire. But that is not at all what Jesus means. He means as we go about doing our duty as kingdom citizens, all these things of food, drink, and clothing, the necessities of life, of sustaining us to survive day to day. These things will be added onto us. We're pretty entitled. We think we deserve it. No, God's going to supply you with those things. So he will sustain you, kingdom citizen. He will give you all that you need to live and thrive, so don't worry. You go do your job of being the best cook, best engineer, teacher, doctor, student, missionary, husband, wife, pastor, son, daughter, whatever your responsibility is You go do that to advance God's kingdom for his glory and he will most definitely take care of your basic needs. What more can you ask for? And in this this passage, Jesus tells once more in closing, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He knows we have enough going on day to day. Don't worry about today. No need to worry about tomorrow either. The more you think about it and stress out, He knew that the more distracted we will be from the one thing that we were made for, as kingdom citizens, kingdom advancers, as agents of doing good for God in this earth. So he wants you to live for today, seeking his kingdom and goodness in all that you do. And perhaps you come this morning and you're worried as you heard this message, because you questioned and you worried that, hey, I don't know who this heavenly father is. You're worried because you don't have anybody to trust besides perhaps yourself. For you, we encourage you, as we worship and pray here in a little bit, to consider this Jesus that we kept talking about this morning. Jesus Christ was a man just like us, but in all that he did, he did not sin. And as a perfect man and also as a perfect God, he had the ability to die on the cross for our sins, sins of worry sins of pride, sins of selfishness. And he conquered the cross and death. And that's why we're here, because he lives in victory and he reigns in heaven. If any, if any of you are questioning and worrying because you have nobody to rely on besides yourself, we invite you, in closing, to pray and trust the Savior as you were made for something more than just surviving and worrying. There will be people at the end of the service who can guide you in prayer, if God so leads and others of you who might already be believers. You might need to hear this because it's just a reminder of the gospel. You're a citizen of heaven, and maybe it's hard for you since the worries of life choke you out so often. I think we need to hear that the Father who sent the Son, is so good and he deeply does care for you. Maybe you're worrying, and maybe it's made you hopeless or anxious, bitter or depressed. You question whether, if he hears you right now. If that's you, we also invite you to pray up here with us after the message. Casting your anxieties, for it says, he deeply loves you and will provide for you even today. And it might not be exactly how you expect him to, but know that you're under the care of the Father. Who you're sustaining, You're being sustained daily by him. So exercise your trust and cry out to him in confession and thanksgiving. Practically speaking, perhaps as a visual reminder, uh, maybe sometime today or even sometime this week, I challenge you, under your notes, under that uh, dotted line where it says application, maybe write down a few things that you're worried about, one or two things that um, have been constantly been on your mind but but you've just been wasting time worrying about. And I challenge you to write that thing down under those dotted lines, and then pray over it. Pray to God, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you'll take care of my needs. I want to give my anxieties to you. Help me to know how I can ad- be a kingdom citizen, how I can advance your kingdom on earth, how I can seek your glory first. And as you pray, I challenge you sometime today to rip that bottom sheet out and then crumple it and just throw it away in the garbage can or burn it or whatever you want it to do. And as you do that, just as a visual reminder of I'm just throwing away all my worries, all my anxieties, all the little things that I care about so much, and I'm just throwing it away and pray to God and asking him, God, you're going to sustain me. I'm going to go out and be a kingdom citizen for you today. In closing, uh, following up to my story, um, you're probably curious how I ended up here in one piece as I was homeless for a little bit. Well, uh, for me, I did pray, and yes, I did worry a lot during the meantime when I um, had all my stuff stolen, but God did take care of me. He used several people, including one of the youth, to give me some transportation, and a nice pastor to uh, shelter me and give me a home for the night, and I got some food and drink out of it, too, so he took care of me. And I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but I got a ride to the gym the next day after I had my bag stolen just to see as a last resort if anything had happened. Because I called the police, and they weren't able to do anything about it. I asked people. They knew nothing. And so all I could do was go back to the gym and hope that maybe something had turned out. Maybe they had some good news. And by some miracle, by God's providence, I kid you not, strange as it was, and I asked around for the gym manager, and out he comes with a black bag. With everything intact, my wallet, my keys, my phone, everything I lost was given back to me just like that. I lost no money, maybe $2 worth in change and laundry card. Crazy, right? Did God really take care of me? Was it sheer coincidence? I think what I learned from that lesson really was, besides bring your lock to the gym, is (laughs) that God indeed is worthy of all my trust. He provided for me shelter, food, and drink. I got my car back, I got my life back. I was only out on my feet for less than 24 hours. And then he just changed all my circumstances just like that. Because he holds it all. And you know, even if he withheld that blessing from me, even if I never got any of those things back, he would still be a good father, and he still would have taken care of me. But the fact that he did, the fact that he did um, provide all those things back, I stand to testify that every time I'm tempted to worry I think about the times like that when he's come through in goodness and I confide in the word to not worry but to seek first his kingdom because worry did nothing but make me uneasy. I trust in the word. I serve a good father who takes care of my needs even when we don't deserve it. And as we keep walking, let's be spending our time wisely, going out, seeking his kingdom on earth, seeking his kingdom first. And as that becomes your priority, Let's not forget that you have a Father that deeply cares for you and will cast aside our worries. Let's close in prayer. Father God, as we now uh, let the message of your word sink in, as we respond to you in worship, uh, we do cast our worries to you. We cast our anxieties to you. Help us to lift up our voices in joy, singing to you the good Father that that takes care of us and loves us. Lord, move move through us and help us to glorify you as kingdom citizens on this earth. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.